pray with me. Father, how we thank you for another privilege to worship you, for the power of your Holy Spirit amongst us, for beautiful singing, beautiful praise, beautiful worship. Thank you for your people that you've brought us together. And now speak to us as we open our hearts, as we avail ourselves to you. Speak. And as you speak, Give us ears of a disciple that we might hear and heed. And when you have said what you're pleased to say, our prayer is that you would take us down from this place and that we'd be found a little closer to you and perhaps a little more like you as we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 It's good to be with you. It's good to see you. I hadn't seen you in a while. I've been blessed with a stroke and a heart attack since the last time we met, but thank God I'm still here alive and kicking. My wife didn't make it with me. She's in town, but she didn't make it to the church with me today. Our middle daughter, Carisha, uh, is stricken ill. Got news this morning that she was a little better, and so mother went over there to be with her this morning, and so I would ask your prayers for her and them and for all that God is doing. I was thinking as, as uh, between the services that uh, what Tallowood means to me and uh, what Dr. Brooks means to me across these years. He likes to say I teach him, but he's still teaching me and I'm still trying to learn. And so one of the things that I'm trying to convinced the church of is this seven-week sabbatical. <laughs> Every seven years, that, that's, that's what we do, right? Every seven years, a seven-week sabbatical. And I've been there 34, so I'm figuring... <laughs> I think I got a good six months coming or something. <clears throat> that, that sounds really nice. We're going to... We're going to work on that. I probably need some of the a committee or something to go down with me and see if we can't convince them that, that this would be a wonderful thing to let the pastor rejuvenate and all that good stuff. And they told me, just go home and go to sleep and come back next Sunday. <laughs> Personally, I don't think it's fair, but that's, that's, that's the best we get out of them. So I was talking at the early service, and they told me you were the live group. They, they said they're, they're com somewhat reserved, and their words, not mine, and the older crowd. I said, well, that's where I belong. But they said, no, the next group, they're going to give you amens, and they're going to rock and roll and romp and stomp, and you're going to go. And I said, oh, so that's my game. So you all are my posse. And that means that, that you, number one, you can't go to sleep on me. And then number two, you have to treat me as an honored guest. So when you bring someone into your home, whether they saying anything or not, when they talk, you talk back to them, even if what they're saying don't make a whole lot of sense. If they're talking and you invited them, when they talk, you talk back to them. So that means that uh, I get to talk and you get to 
See that how that works? Well, I mean, it works good. Now that'll do a couple of things. It'll make the service go much faster, and it'll help you stay awake. Now we're gonna watch these amens right here. Come on, let's, let's go to work. Have you, have you ever been in a place, have you ever been in a place in your life where you needed to get to the next level, but you, you just couldn't get there? Something seems to keep spinning your wheels and, and, and never moving forward, never moving up, never experiencing new victories. The engine is running, the motor is racing, and you're going nowhere. Some of us feel that way. And we can feel that way in our spiritual lives. We can get to the place that even though our lives are not lost in a life of sin, neither are they a life of overwhelming victory. So the question becomes, how do we move forward? How do we take a step back so that we can take a step forward without taking three steps forward and two steps back. And it seems that there's a vicious cycle that needs to be broken so that we can have real progress in our Christian lives. So at my church, what I do is I put a hashtag on the sermon. So here's your hashtag. Handle up on your unfinished business. That's your hashtag. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 5. I'd like to read into the record verses 8 through 12. I'm reading it in the English Standard Version. I hope that doesn't offend anyone. Let's stand together and read into the word Joshua chapter 5, verses 8 through 12. You ever heard preachers say this is a very familiar text? I'm talking to y'all. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I say, this is a very familiar text. Well, this is a very unfamiliar text. But I think we can open it up together today. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from among you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year, the word of God for the people of God. Just before you take your seats, here's how we do it at our church. We take a neighbor by the hand, so grab someone's hand. We look at them straight in the eye. That means you're going to tell them the truth this time anyway. And then repeat after me, tell them, neighbor, we're preaching about where do we go from here? That's what I want to talk about this morning. Where do we go from here? Thank you. You can, you can have your seats. 
Y'all take a note so you can tell Dr. Brooks I, I did everything he told me to do. So the question is, how do we get beyond the level of barely getting to the next level of victory that God promises for his people? Perhaps you've seen it in the lives of others, or maybe you've experienced it in your own lives, that there's no, no momentum, there's no movement, that it seems as though your life is a constant trip up, it's a constant slowdown, you're always knocked off track, and we wonder what is it that's holding us bound and holding us captive, and this text reveals to us that it may be you have some unfinished business. That there's some things in your past, there's, there's a covenant perhaps that you made with God in the past and you haven't kept your end of the bargain. That seems to be what's happening in, in this passage because here's what I do know. As the blessings of God increase in one's life, so will God's expectations. And so they've been wandering in the wilderness. You remember the story, right? They've been wandering in the wilderness under Moses, and Moses has led them as far as he can, and then Moses moves off the scene, and now Joshua comes on the scene, and he's leading them, and they are again on the brink of the promised land. But then something strange seems to occur. There is this this idea of, of being circumcised, this idea of restoring covenant relationship. It happens to you and I. You, you ever been in a place where you promise God, if you get me out of this one, I'll never do this again? Ain't no need of y'all trying to fool me. I know you do. Or perhaps you've gone through a sick spell and you told God, if you deliver me from this, then I'll do this, I'll do that. Or if you give me a promotion on my job, then I'll pay the tithe or I'll give more. We make these promises to God and then we fool around and life goes on and then one day passes and then another day passes and before you know it, you forget the promises and the covenant that you've made with God and that seems to have happened to Israel. Forty years they were dwelling in the wilderness. An entire generation dies, and an entire generation is reared, but they're uncircumcised. They're not a part of the covenant as far as keeping their part of the covenant. And though, though nations around them are fearing them because wherever they go, God is leading them, God is delivering them, God is blessing them, they have never really fully entered and inhabited the promised land. They'd been there close before, 40 years earlier, but they let their hearts mess them up because they were fearful of the giants. And they said, they are giants in our eyes, and we are grasshoppers in our own eyes. And then God wipes out that entire generation. And so in preparation to enter into the promised land, God brings them to this point here in Joshua chapter 5. 
and cause them to recommit to the covenant. And so this idea of circumcision is a symbol of the covenant between God and his people, and he expected his people to take his covenant seriously as he expects of us all to take his word seriously. And so the writer teaches us and tells us that it was at Gilgal, it was at Gilgal where this problem would be resolved. They would reestablish the ritual of circumcision. They would re-implement the idea of, of the Passover. They would re-enter into their contract with God at Gilgal. Gilgal means roll back. So it's at Gilgal that God re-identifies his people because the people of Israel were not made to be slaves in Egypt, nor were they made to be wanderers in the wilderness. They were designed to be conquerors of Canaan. And so they needed to be identified as who they were. It's kind of like water baptism. It doesn't save us. It identifies us with who we are with. Now, we are with the people of God, and we follow him in baptism. And so it's not so much that the circumcision does this. It's the idea that they now obey God, and they return to the covenant that they have with God. And so I was wondering this morning if you have any unfinished business. Are there any things lacking from your past that you've promised God, that you've assured God? Maybe, maybe in your prayer life you told God, I'll pray more. I'll be more in, in tune in Bible study. Or maybe you told God that, that if you do this for me, then I'll do this and I'll do that. I'll, I'll go on a mission trip. I'll be more involved in the church. I don't know what it is that you've promised God, but I can almost be assured that there are some things that are lacking and lagging in your past that before God can take you into your future, you've got to handle this business of your past. And so they do it at Gilgal. And, and if you expect him to take you to a new level, you got to be willing to go. If, if our friend Dwayne Brooks says that, that you can't go with God and stay here. So if you expect God to take you to these new levels, you have to be willing to go. And so all of the men are circumcised at Gilgal. Must have been uncomfortable, but they were all circumcised at, at Gilgal, and then they would renew their covenant with God. And from that point, God now takes them to new levels. So look at the new levels with me. He takes them first to a new level of liberty. It says, the text says, he removed, did you see it? He removed them from Egypt. It's one thing to, to be taken out of Egypt, but it's one thing to get Egypt out of you. And so what he had to do was remove all of the memories of Egypt. He, he had to move it out of their mind. He had to get the past behind them. You remember the Lion's King? And he says, the past is behind you. Leave it in the past. And that's kind of what happens with them. They have to experience this freedom. They have to experience this newness of life. And, and I think the New Testament teaches us that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. 
And so God is saying to them, you used to be slaves, you used to be wilderness wanderers, but now you shall be Canaan conquerors. No more hard labor and humiliation. You will no longer be identified as a slave, the cutting away of the foreskin. They used to be slaves in Egypt, but that's their past. That's, that's in the past. So, so any shame you may have had or faced, any, any, any kind of, any kind of deliberate, delibe, what am I trying to say? That. Any of that that has held you back, let that go and move forward with him. Let failures be in your past. Let irresponsibility, let any addiction that once held you bound go because now you've been set free. You've been placed on a level of liberty. I am not the same. You, you remember the cowboy days? That's what I do on Saturdays. I used to watch uh, the westerns. And, and here's what happens. When cattle are branded, they're released to the fold. But when they join the fold, they're no longer the same. Same thing happens to us. When the gospel is preached, God lassos us with the lasso of his Holy Spirit and reigns us in and brands us as his, and then he sends us out to be in the fold. But we're not the same. We will never be what we once were. And when you're set free, you're set free indeed. And so we're experiencing this life of liberty. And so I was thinking this morning, and we kind of said it together, and we were thinking about that old hymn, what can wash away my sins? It's not the circumcision. It's not the cutting away of the foreskin, nor is it baptism or in the keeping of the Lord's Supper or in church membership. It is the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Not, excuse me, I didn't mean to raise my voice. I just got excited. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But here's the problem. With greatness comes responsibility. With freedom, you heard the expression, freedom isn't free. With freedom comes responsibility. So he not only leads us to a new level of liberty, but secondly, he leads us to a new level of responsibility. Every morning they used to go outside and pick up manna off the, can you imagine that? Pick up breakfast off the ground. Manna, what is this stuff? This wafer-like substance, this bread that would fall from heaven. Often they would say they were tired of it. God need to give us something else. For 40 years they would wake up to heavenly toast, heavenly bread, manna on the ground. And on the weekend God would let it preserve for two days. That's the only time it would last over a day. And now, now the text says that as they're getting ready to enter into the promised land, they keep the Passover. And so the day after the Passover, they eat of the fruit of the land. So no longer does the manna come. No longer does God provide heavenly bread but he provides the produce of the land. Here's where the responsibility comes. Fruit don't grow unless you plant seeds. You don't get wheat from the ground unless you 
till the earth. So you're no longer a nomadic people. You have a home, and so now you have a responsibility of caring for yourself. And maybe that's what Jesus had in mind when he told that gentleman, do you want to be made whole? Because with wholeness, with greatness, comes responsibility. And sometimes we don't want to shoulder the responsibility of caring others and caring for others. And so he's leading them and leading us to a new level of responsibility. And here's, here, here's the deal. This is a beautiful edifice, beautiful sanctuary, but there's so much more work to be done. There's so many more people to be saved. There's so many more families to be blessed. One of the ladies of the church was speaking with, the, with me this morning, and she said, you know, I, I looked at a pictorial uh, directory from our church in 1993, and now I'm looking at these new members in the church from April and May, and, and you can notice the difference that we're looking more like the United Nations. And I told her, but that's intentional. You all have the intent of making friends, making, in, making disciples, and making an impact. You, you can tell I copycat. So you, you're trying, you're doing what you're doing intentionally. And, and if you're going to do and go with God, then you have to be willing to shoulder your share of the responsibility. For 40 years, God had provided food for them, but now... They would have to till the earth, till the soil. Now, entering the promised land, it would be flowing with milk and honey, but it won't be like that always. They would have to take care of themselves, and so their appetite would change. And here's what we know. God wants to lead us to new levels of blessings, but with those blessings come responsibility. God bless God, people being blessed of God, it doesn't mean you, you live in a perpetual state of something for nothing where everything falls in your lap without any effort on your part. Don't, don't mistake the blessed life with the pampered life. That's not what God wants to give us. With greater blessings comes greater responsibilities. I used to talk to Pastor Brooks about the youth of this church, and I was saying, boy, the problem you're going to have on your hands is they're going to grow up with all of this, all of these trappings of church around them, and it's going to spoil them because this is not normal. I mean, this stuff is amazing, but when you're raised around it, you experience it so much that it just becomes a part of your normal routine. Don't ever become complacent. Don't ever become satisfied. Don't ever grow stagnant. Don't be lukewarm. You get in trouble with Jesus when you grow lukewarm. He wants to take them to a new level of liberty. He wants to take them to a new level of responsibility. I'm through. He wants to take them to a new level of anointing. Some of the events in Joshua's life mirrored events in the life of Moses because God was demonstrating to his people and to Joshua that he was with Joshua and them as he had been 
with Moses. And so when Moses had his water problem, Joshua would have his water problem. You know, that Red Sea stuff, and now you'd have the Jordan, Jordan stuff. And then we find out that God doesn't have to use rerun blessings. He doesn't handle the Red Sea like he handled the Jordan. God has new blessings for new areas. There are, in, in our culture, we like to say, there are rounds on the ladder that have never been touched. God, God has stuff in the wheel call that you haven't seen yet. God, God has some stuff that will blow your mind, and you don't want to settle for anything less than what God has for you. And so what God does is anoint you for the task. Don't expect the, the, the low I'm with you if you're not going to go anywhere. He says, if you go, then low I'll be with you. The anointing of God means that if you're standing in his will and if you're standing where God wants you to be, then where you are is now holy ground. And so he tells Moses, take off the shoes. The ground you stand on is holy ground. He tells Joshua, where you travel, I will give you. He tells us, you're on holy ground. But it's not just at Tallowood, it's wherever you are, operating in his name. He anoints you, he anoints that ground so that we can do his bidding and his will. And I was wondering, are we ready to go with God? God is faithful to us. The question is, will we be faithful to him? So think about this. Whenever God wants to engage his people, he anoints us, and we've been anointed. And I hear it in the Psalm of David that he anoints my head with oil until my cup runs over. My grandmother used to serve coffee, and when she would serve coffee, she would serve the cup of coffee on a saucer. And then every once in a while, the, the coffee would splatter onto the saucer. And then I've been looking at my life, and I think about the goodness of God, and I can't get to the cup because I'm still living off the sauce. Anybody? Uh-oh, I almost went to Baptist church. Anybody living off of God's overflow blessings? I mean, God is just so good. God is just so bountiful in his blessings and in his faithfulness that we can live our lives off the supper. I ended this morning by telling them of an experience when I was a lad of a boy. Don't ask me how long ago that was. When I was a lad of a boy and our choirs used to march in, most of our African-American black Baptist churches choirs did that back then. In the <clears throat> and so when they would get ready to march and take the choir stand, they would sing, Come we that love the Lord. And let our joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord and thus surround the throne. And then they would sing the refrain, we're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, that beautiful city of God. And I was just wondering, do you really want to go to the next level? Do you really want to go to the next level that God has for you? A new level of liberty, a new level of responsibility, a new level of anointing. 
Let's pray. Father, how we thank you for the very presence of your spirit amongst us. And now, Lord, our prayer is that these nuggets that you've given would touch our hearts and that someone that knows you not would now come and seek you as Savior. Move by the power of your Holy Spirit in this place. And we ask it in Jesus' name.